0: Hello and welcome to Master the Moment. I'm Joe.
1: And I'm Christian. And Joe and I are the co founders of the Culinary Executive Mastermind. And in this podcast, Joe and I are going to share with you our knowledge, our experience, and our expertise to help you to create a better life for yourself, for your family, for your career, and for your business. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to Master Your Confidence. Oh boy, in this series, this is this is one we both love, huh, Chef Christian? and yeah, uh, I,
1: I totally agree. Ahead. Confidence is one of those things which can make it or break it. And I think there's a difference between confidence and true confidence. You could present yourself confident and, and people kind of see through that.
0: Right, right. And, um, you know, this. what, what I want to take our listeners to is, you know, we, we're not just making a list and saying, okay, uh, name three things that give you confidence yep. and, and shoot it out. This is, this is combined over 60 years between the two of us, things that have uh, – we've overhelped our uh, hurdles, and then we've gone through this, and now we're saying back to our listeners, hey, this is the best we've got on confidence, and oh, I, 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 I just that. love this. So why don't you lead us off and tell us one of the, one of the uh, secret sauces of <laughs>
1: confidence. So for me, uh, confidence, especially around working in our industry and working in events and doing what you do, and, and you probably went through that as well with catered events, I think having confidence is planning. Because if I know yeah. I have a plan, I have a backup plan for the backup plan and I have a backup back plan for the backup <laughs> and backup plan. And because if I know I have everything all mapped out, my team yeah. is informed because for me also, conf- confidence around um, events is communications. Everybody knows, everybody's on the same page and when you execute, you execute flawlessly. And sometimes things happen and and you and I spoke about that earlier. For me, uh, a good example around confidence is we did a, a event in Albany, New York, at the right. Egg, uh, right. a big uh, place where we had a dinner party for twelve thousand people. Wow! And the place was so big, so we had nineteen satellites set up to move product out there, and getting from one side to the other was three quarters of a mile. You know, Ooh. walking back and forth, the place was just, you know, it was huge. Um, the the state employees drove around in golf carts and they didn't allow us. We had to walk it, but it was one of those things we set up and there was somebody who pushed a tray of plates and each cart was full with 750 plates. And he hit this little lip and you, you know, I'm going with that. The next thing we all heard it on, on our walkie talkies. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Everybody, how many plates are done? How many plates have we done? And the guy says, the whole, the whole cart. So we were down 750 plates. Mm-hmm. And we thought about this because it wasn't the first time it happened. So one of our backup plan was that, you know, we have somebody stand and when the plates come back, counting 750 plates, wash them, chill them, and they become the dessert plates. Yep. And, um, you know, when I think back, that could have gone south. Uh, but I think everybody was confident because everybody knew things happen. Everybody knew that we had a backup plan for that and and it worked. We were lucky with that. But I think the success of that event was that we or the the confidence that we knew that that event would work well is because of that, you know, because we had a backup plan, we communicated and everybody executed flawlessly. How about you? What is your number one?
0: You know, I want to tag on to that because I think uh, we both practice it. You know, uh, something has gone wrong within the last few years, and somebody came up to me and they said, wow, you know, when did you when did you train to have a backup plan of C, D, and E? And I said, <laughs> when I started this industry. And that's how long ago that plan was embedded with us. I just wanted yeah. to reinforce that. It's absolutely great.
1: And you you spot on. And I had somebody on my team, uh, and, and he's probably the one of the most organized people, and he managed this for us. And because he was so good at it, and it came, right? You know, it came Natural. easy for him. Yep. Yep. yep, So he was the guy managing it, and he did awesome. Mm-hmm. And and all mm-hmm. the credit went to him because we were sitting there uh, a week before the event. Okay, going through the checklist. Do we have everything in the house? Do we have everything? Are we ready to go? Okay, what are the five things which could go wrong? You know, somebody burned something. You know, somebody dropped something. (laughs) You know, all of them. So how do we combat this? And as a group, you know, I think we were like 64 chefs at the time, which we were sitting in and we all brainstorming. And then- For me, that was one of the things what you and I do today because for me, holy crap, really the success of the team was we had somebody who was an expertise who shared the expertise because he's a good planner Um, and and he executed flawlessly. And the team came together and we all participated. So for me, what we're doing today with our mastermind, that was really, in all essence, that event was executed by a mastermind. It wasn't just by one. We all came together. We executed flawlessly and as a team uh, executed on a really high level
0: and it brought everybody's confidence level yeah. and that's mm-hmm. that's tying into mine also mine mine is definitely uh throughout my careers being surrounded by my peers and, and mm-hmm. you know it's a spin off of what pretty much you just said also but um i do it on a daily basis i stay connected with everybody and that gives me the confidence and and uh, believe it or not i i believe we all share the same situations we don't use mm-hmm. the the P word will say situations and knowing that uh, your situation and how you overcame it, it just gives the confidence that, hey, we're going to get through this. Uh, yeah. The great thing is nobody can stop time. So uh, so mine's being being around peers. So,
1: yeah, what, no, what about I-
0: another one for you?
1: Yeah, that, that's great. Because for me also, so that's operational confidence. Yeah. So for me, yeah. I think what, what a lot of people struggle with is personal confidence. And, and listen, I struggled with that too. And, and I constantly work on that. But I think around self-confidence, the first thing I need to share is really uh, the power of self-talk. You know, we, we are really hard on ourselves and, and yep. sometimes we are harder on ourselves than anybody else would. We beaten ourselves up. And I think just looking at how we speaking to ourselves is for me a big maker of confidence or break of confidence. If my mind says to me, Oh, you always screw up, you always make mistake, you never follow through, you never do this, um, this is not setting me myself up for for confidence. So right. And, and rephrasing the question is, hey, what can I learn from this? What is good about this event? And if you ask better questions, you get better answers. And, and you and I, we, we have these conversations a lot. So why are people struggling with self-confidence? If you go, my best friend's Mr. Google. So if you go to Google <laughs> and I type in, hey, how, how to be self-confident? He gives me everything and he doesn't ask for anything in return. You know, you get all of those things. So you have all of this knowledge. Then you could go to YouTube, how to be confident. You get all those videos around self-confidence. So why are people not practicing? So the tools exist, the, the techniques exist, the information exists, And my big believer, my, um, my why on that is, is they, they're not surrounding themselves with the right people. So Correct. if you and I uh, together, we, we can lift each other up and we, we can push each other down. And having a group which is invested in you as much as you invested in them, that group lifts you up. And for me, if, if I have a bad day, I know exactly who to call. If I have a day, I don't feel that self, uh, that confident, I, I talked to my wife about it and she is absolutely phenomenal. There's tips and tools and tricks out there. About surrounding yourself with the right people. So that's why I'm saying my number two kind of leads into your number one. is really surrounding yourself with the right people. Have a network which looks out for you because you don't need anybody who who, who puts you down and you don't need anybody who talks uh, negatively negatively uh, towards you because that's a real sapper of not only self-confidence, it's also sapper of energy. And that kind of goes into my number three, because I think confidence is all about energy and energy. And for me, it's just the way we sit. You know, if you sit, I can slouch in my table, does this make me feel confident? Or I can sit up straight on my chair and and give me confidence. I can walk with my shoulders forward and and have shallow breathing. How is this making me feel? Versus walking straight. And Dr. Tracy talks to us about this all the time, how important it is. Yep. For me, all of that kind of combines my number two, which is um, self-confidence and, and the way you speak to yourself. How about yeah. you, number two? Well, uh, my
0: number two, definitely uh, being a lifetime student, always mm-hmm. learning. And then you overcome uh, your hurdles because if it's um, uh, business accounting, you know, yes, we have a CFO, but I have to know enough in uh, in business to mm-hmm. uh to run my operations and so I engulf myself in learning all about accounting and how it goes and the culinary uh, tricks of the trade. And then I just believe that builds up momentum because the more knowledgeable you are about something, the you know, you're standing up straighter and mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're having uh, my, I think it was a lifetime goal is because I wanted to sit at the same table as of anyone be it anyone. And, and as you always tell me too, you have to know just enough to be dangerous, but that (laughs) also gives you the confidence level. The last thing, let's go back into being a self learner. I stay in my lane. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know enough to be dangerous outside my lane, but I stay in my lane when I'm in my lane. That's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody, nobody can touch. And, and, and it, I believe it's like a snowball. It, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And again, you wake up with a smile and you know, Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a hundred calls. 99 are going to say no. And one of them's going to say yes. Mm -hmm. And it's just a, it, it then becomes going back to what our what my whole life, our whole life philosophy, a lifestyle.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's a lifestyle. So staying in your lane and lifetime
1: student. Yeah, I love that. That for me kind of goes into my number three and and my number three is kind of split between two. Uh, here are my notes I have determined what matters to you. And also yep. I wrote, know your values. And that could become really one because for me knowing the values, what value can I bring to a conversation? What value can I bring to a meeting? What value can I bring to a project? Excellent. If I come from a point of providing value, I honestly believe you execute on a high level because it doesn't come from a place of, oh, how are they going to perceive me if I say this? How about, you know, looking at all of these ifs, which I personally think is a very bad word, um, right. you know, just looking at it, I think knowing your value and, and coming from a place of service is uh, for me, I walk into a meeting rather than, what is the outcome? I wanna rake somebody over the calls or I, I wanna take advantage of them. Uh, I ask myself two questions. What is the win-win for of this meeting and how can I provide value? And that really helped me. Um, you know, As you know, I came to this country not speaking uh, the language and and I you know, have the opportunity to make it to the top 1% of our industry. Yep. Um, A lot of that came from providing value back. And there was a lot of people which brought value to me, uh, the way they shared, how they made themselves vulnerable and and offered expertise. And then for me, that's really my number three, knowing your value and determine what matters to you. Yep,
0: that's excellent. And, you know, uh, again, kind of overlaps and comes right into my number Mm -hmm. three. (laughs) My number three is Attitude always wins.
1: <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> it's just waking up, having a good attitude, and again, um, uh, I believe uh, it was Oprah who said it, and it says when we have a difficulty, it's just a small way of saying go the other way. That's all.
1: Yeah, you know, I, just go I the loved, other way. So I love that whole attitude thing because um, we, we get in a lot of question around. Hey, how can I? skyrocket or 10x my career. Right. And I think skill is, is one of the determining factors, but the second is attitude. And you say this all the time, and that's something I learned from you. And for me, that's really around put yourself in the shoes of the hiring manager. If you have two people with the same qualifications, yep. one of them you know, comes in looking pissed off. The other one comes in with a big smile and, and you know, ready to make an impact and provide value. Yep. Uh, which one are you going to hire? And for me, it's one of those things. You can go to McDonald's, make whatever whatever they're making today, fifteen dollars an hour, Um, and you can whistle. You know, while you take out the garbage, and they're giving you sixty dollars because you have a great attitude. And for me, I think the great attitude is is the single largest impact in your career, and and the value you provide and how you communicate with with a group. So for me, I love your number three. (laughs) <laughs> it's really a you, big one. You know,
0: you, you you hit a nerve there and it took me all the way back to my apprentice days. And uh when I was when I was on the line, I was learning how to do pancakes. Pancakes. Mm-hmm. And my chef came up, <clears throat> which was a, a world renowned chef, and he had says, and I'm thinking in my head, Man, I gotta get through pancake. I wanna get to that steak. I'm gonna be this chef, you know? Mm-hmm. And he comes up and he says, Hey, he says, treat that pancake as if it was a steak with Mm -hmm. nice caramelized and just, and it was what he was really teaching me was an attitude, whether it's a pancake or the most expensive beluga caviar doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. It's attitude. And I think that carried through my whole career. And and people go, I'll hover over a pancake today. So it flips and it doesn't, doesn't break and it doesn't bend over. Mm-hmm. And so, it, and it can, it comes from attitude.
1: So let me ask you then another question. You know, in your career, you, you had a lot of employees being, you know, owning your business for for 30 yeah. plus years. So what was your decision maker when you hired somebody? Did you look at confidence? Did you look at skill? Did you look at attitude? What did you look at when you hired somebody around you know having the conversation around confidence
0: oh it 's definitely attitude because I can train anybody in the culinary field you can 't really train confidence attitude mm-hmm. you can't untrain it because where they 've come from is their lifestyle, and if they 're used to arguing with people, mm-hmm. uh, we had a, a again a talented chef. And he had seven brothers and sisters. You know what he did all his life? Fight, fight. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a good day if he didn't have a good argument.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: And, and it was just a lot of talent down the drain. So absolutely attitude. I,
1: I love that because I I had the opportunity to work for Chef Barbecue's. And as I interviewed with him, that um, was the most amazing thing. He says, did you bring your knives? Yes, chef. Um, There's an onion. I want you to cut it in julienne, and I want you to cut it in um, uh, a small dice. Okay, there's a pineapple. Okay, take the pineapple, clean it, portion it into six, and then I had a watermelon, and he says, make something cool out of the watermelon. And he says, you have 15 minutes. And, you know, (laughs) he started slicing, dicing me, (laughs) watermelon. And then he came and looked at it, and he says, okay, um, tomorrow, 10 o'clock. And I was like, he didn't give me any feedback. Was, and right. so I went to the sous chef and I said, hey, um, what does that mean? What, he said, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. He said, do I need to come back? Did I screw up? Yeah. And he says, second no. interview. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, oh, he said, 10 o'clock. You need to be at 10 o'clock, ready to go. I was like, but what am I going to do? He says, you, he will not give you a title or a position until he sees who you are. And I was like, wow, that's the coolest thing. You know, normally you interview for a thing and he just for the chop. And and my first conversation I had, I asked him, chef, you need to tell me, why did you do it? He says, um, I, I just want to know if, if you know Brunoise and you know Abadis right. and all of that, you speak kitchen friends, you know, he says, yep. you Austrians, I want to make sure you knew that. The so second thing is you portion out <laughs> the pineapple. I look at the peelings. I see, do you value the waste. pineapple, yep. you know, waste exactly. And do you have <laughs> a common sense that you could portion out uh, the six portions and everything else I can teach you. And I was like, perfect. That's the coolest conversation I ever have. And yeah. there was something else he, he, he said which, which kind of stuck with me for for my whole career. And he said, so now where you know and you work, and my first station, I, I worked a sales station. And he said, when you want to get promoted, you can work really hard or be coachable. So which one do you want to be? Because the coachable gets you faster. And it was one of those things, just working with him. He wasn't around much, but when he was there, just the way he worked with people, the way he communicated. He was the meanest guy I met, you know, but he was the, also the fairest guy. And it was all about contributing to the team and valuing and looking and taking care of the people to the right of you, of the left of you, uh, because that's how you execute a great service. And yep. that's really stuck with me. And attitude is everything. And for me, you know, you probably see it in your business. For me, if somebody comes to me with a good attitude, hey, I want to become a mentor of yours selfishly I give him more of myself oh,
0: absolutely. than somebody
1: yeah you know, and and yep. for me that's that's just huge I mean attitude is huge and for me a good attitude gives confidence because I think if you portray false confidence or that you try to fake it I, I don't like the term fake it until you make it because I believe in our industry we have a very strong bullshit right now and we kind of could see through that. And I yep. think there's something vulnerable. There's something really beautiful about somebody saying, hey, can you show me a better way? Yep. And and having that, that mindset that you just said, that learner's mindset, I think is, is is key. And knowing that I know my subject and, and if, if our listeners want to know what they can do today to become confident in, as a chef, um, the single best thing you can do for yourself, read one hour a day yep. in this industry. Pick up a magazine, follow a blog, go listen to a podcast, whatever you need to do. Invest one hour a day and your expertise. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you you will become great and confident in something you do.
0: Wow. That, that, that just sums it up too. So uh, let me ask you this, Chef. If somebody wants to be confident and they want to get in touch with us, how do they get in touch with us?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so first of all, if you listen to this podcast, uh, you need to go to uh, culinary executive, um, Mastermind.com. You can find us on the net. If you yep. look at us on YouTube, click below. There's a link below where you can get a hold of us. But just reach out to us, text us, email us, um, send us a note. You can get us on Facebook, on YouTube. You can get us on Instagram. So just reach out to us and come to one of our events. What we're talking about here comes all out of the events we do. And every event we finish, we, we send out a survey. And the feedback we get and really it creates and, and makes the program better. And the beauty of a mastermind is a mastermind can help you with confidence. A mastermind can help you with accountability. A mastermind can help you in sharpening my skills. And if you had a level like somebody we just spoke to a few days ago said, Hey, I've been in the industry 45 years. I, I'm a chairman for a really great organization. I want to just give back. Having you part of a mastermind is great because other people can learn from your expertise and all the things you learned. So, there's two things you need to do. Number one, like us and and become part of this movement. And the second thing is come and check us out. We have a policy where we allow people to come in for one of the events 100% for free. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. If you don't like it, thank you. Hopefully you join, join another Mastermind. But if you find some value and make a connection with the group, uh, we would like to kind of stick around and and, and make the program better and become part of a movement. Our industry needs a cheerleader and help us become that cheerleader.